Hello, 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 everybody. Welcome to another episode of Mailman Podcast. And today we have as our guest, Seb, who is Managing Director of uh, a web design and marketing agency based out of Nottingham called Imagineer. Welcome, Seb, Seb, to the episode. Thank you. Cheers. Okay, so to start with, why don't you take uh, just a minute or two and tell me what do you do right now? Okay, so um, I've got a couple of companies. The main one is Imagineer, um, which, as you've described, um, is a web design and marketing agency. Um, for Imagineer, we specialize in the home interiors industry. So we do a lot of work with architects, um, furniture makers, people like that. Um, and that's sort of our specialist focus. Um, my other company is called Optimal, um, and that's a health supplement that helps you feel sort of more energized and get better quality of sleep and stuff like that. Um, that one's launching next month. But yeah, my main business is Imagineer. Fantastic. Uh, okay, so I'm interested in knowing a little bit about the history of the name. Does the name come yeah. from Disney's um, a term Imagineer or is, um, is it something else? T- to be honest with you, I'm, I'm still trying to work out where the name came from. Um, it sort <laughs> okay. of just came to me one day. Um, uh, basically, because we, um, we pr- we've always prided ourselves on um, being quite creative and stuff like that, obviously, because that's what clients come to us for. Um, so I think mm-hmm. it was that kind of imagination thing and then seeing there's a French word um, as well. So it came from that. So, yeah, that's um, the history of the name. Um, but, yeah, I don't, I don't know is the, the short answer as to where that name came from. Fantastic, um, Seb. Okay, so um, how are your big links? I mean, um, I was on your LinkedIn and I saw that you have worked across roles uh, over the last many, many years. And for last seven plus years, you are building Imagineer. So yeah. could you give us... Um, some context on where did you start from and then uh, how was the journey from there until here? Okay, in terms of my whole career? Um, the, uh, maybe maybe wherever you feel was the most interesting uh, fork in the road that led you over here. Yeah, so my early career was in sales um, mm-hmm. and I used to sell some very boring products <laughs> for carpets and stuff like that. So I kind of became disillusioned with that and went back to university to study business studies um while I was at university I was kind of thinking about different ideas that I could run with and stuff like that and I've always enjoyed sort of building stuff like that and then it kind of was just like a bit of a lightning bolt to me that I used to build websites when I was about 14 um and then while I was at university I just completely went away from it stopped building stopped coding stopped doing anything like that um Mm-hmm. So I just kind of um, had a moment where I thought, why did I stop doing that? I used to love doing that. So that's how Imagineer was kind of born as an idea. Um, okay. And I worked for another agency for a little bit. But um, yeah, I just kind of prefer doing things myself. I'm not a great employee. I'm sort of more, I'm better at <laughs> when it's sort of my thing going on. So okay. Okay. So uh, you used to enjoy building websites. Uh, do you still dabble into website building or not anymore? Um, it's it's my team now that do it. So I'm more on the kind of strategy side. Um, I do still, uh, I'm a nightmare for um, getting involved with stuff that I shouldn't. And my team are constantly saying, Seb, stop getting involved with it and go and do something <laughs> else. So I think they're constantly doing that. But I think like yourself, you're a, a maker, aren't you? So I think that when, you, when you've coded before, you enjoy still just getting into yes. it sometimes. Um, so yeah, that, that's kind of it really. Fantastic. Okay, so um, in your entire career right now, um, is there anything creative still involved that you uh, go into and just 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 be creative? 
Yeah, so um, new business ideas are the biggest area. So I've got um, stakes in a few different businesses, sort of locally, um, and other ownership stakes of um, the business that I mentioned before, Optimal. So that's kind of my creativity now is that my time okay. is loosened up in terms of the day-to-day management of Imaginaire. I still need to steer the strategy and stuff of it. But in terms of fulfillment work, my team handles that. So that allows me the time to think about Imaginaire, which direction we're going in, um, and also new business ideas that I can get up and running with. Got it. Fantastic. And uh, uh, how how do you uh, accomplish this creative process? Do you constantly think about it or do you uh, just uh, uh, keep everything away and then just sit down uh, and go about it? Um, it's It's quite informal, to be honest with you. I think that's the best way with creativity so it tends Mm -hmm. to be that any ideas that I have are in the most random of situations like when I'm driving in my car or if I'm walking or stuff like that it's very rarely that I have if I sat down and said right I'm going to spend two hours being creative um, Mm -hmm. on this day then I don't think anything would come of it Um, so yeah it's more that sort of side of things Um, as in when it pops up that's sort of when I write down what I'm going to do um, got it. Yeah. Got it. Interesting. Okay. So uh, uh, I'm interested in knowing what does your typical day look like? I know typical day is not equal to ideal day, but you yeah. want to have. But uh, right now, given all the things that you are involved into, what does a typical mm-hmm. day look like? When do you get up? When do you wrap up your day? Uh, how do you manage your time between family and work? Like yeah. just, just a little bit. So, um, I'm, not, I'm not a big believer in the sort of... Um, I know there's a lot of writing and especially with productivity about getting up at 5am and Mm -hmm. going out for a 10 mile run and stuff like that. Um, That's not really me. Um, I I get up at about half seven in the morning, um, sort of between Mm -hmm. seven and 7.30, get ready and stuff. I take life pretty relaxed in the morning. I'll sort of have my breakfast, have a coffee, etc. Usually I'll drive over to the office and get here for sort of between nine and 9.30. Um, okay. And then when I get here, I usually like to start with, um, I, I keep these lists, which I call must achieve lists. Um, so mm-hmm. basically I must achieve this today or this week. Um, and that okay. is usually made up of some really boring tasks, which I don't like. <laughs> <laughs> so okay. I try and um, make sure that I do the boring tasks at the start so they get done. Because otherwise I find that if I get into something that's a bit more creative, then mm-hmm. I go down the rabbit hole and that can eat up a whole day um, worth of work. So, yeah, I tend to do that, um, speak to my team, make sure everything's going well with projects that we've got work that we're working on and stuff like that. Um, usually there'll be some element of client contact for Imagineers clients at some point that day. Um, mm-hmm. And then I usually finish at about sort of five o'clock um, and then go home and usually go for a run or something like that and then relax for the evening. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. Uh, you, you you said something about a must-achieve list. Um, yeah. Who makes this list for you? How do you plan what should go on those lists and what should not? So, so that's just from me. Um, usually I, I try and um, do the thing which Mailman helps with, with um, keeping to like inbox zero, which is I, I think something everyone should try and get on top of where for me, we use um, Gmail for our business emails. So mm-hmm. for everything in Gmail, has got a really nice archive feature. Um, so I will basically go through and anything that I've dealt with, I'll archive it. So I can still search for it if I need to refer back in future, but it's just quite Mm -hmm. satisfying having an inbox that doesn't have too much in it. Um, And so basically I'll just go through from my inbox and see, right, are the things that need to be done? For example, accounting, um, I might need to send some stuff to my accountant and stuff like Mm -hmm. that. It's a very boring task, but not something that anyone else can do. 
Um, and that's usually what goes on my must-achieve list is either stuff that only I can do and nobody else in the team can. If that is the case, I always have a bit of a process to say, why can't somebody else do it? Okay. And if that's basically that there's a lack of training or that we haven't documented the process properly, then that is another task that goes onto the must-achieve list so that I know to do it. Um, because for years and years, I've had a team for sort of four years and I've probably only utilised them properly for one, I'd say. Um, <laughs> because it's very hard to delegate, isn't it? I think sometimes people sort of sit down and think, right, I need to do that task in particular. With mm -hmm. that task, it will take me five minutes to do it. Or if I want to get a team member to do it, I'll have to explain it, I'll have to document yeah. it, and then I'll have to ask them to do it. That could be half an hour. So the easy option is to go, I'll just fix it. It's a five-minute task. But actually, that's really unhealthy. Um, and it means that later on, you're just going to keep coming back and repeating that work that mm -hmm. you don't need to. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, so that's kind of how I create my must-achieve list, really. Okay, so uh, I need some help over here uh, right now. Let me leave, let me be a little vulnerable and tell you that I struggle with delegation for the exact same reason. Yeah. Yeah. That uh, probably I can do it in next five minutes uh, instead of documenting it for thirty minutes and then giving it some to somebody and then checking checking it for another thirty minutes. Yeah. Uh, I know in my head that this is not how systems are built. Yeah. Uh, but 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 uh, maybe I am more of a creative. Maybe I have done it for so many years. I feel like hey, let me just knock off it for five minutes yeah. right now and then solve this problem the next time so how how do you really practice this system it, it's so difficult it's, it's that is the thing that i think has been the hardest part of launching a business and running a business is learning to just say and it's that long-term thinking isn't it is that you implement something today that if mm -hmm. you think about it just purely in mathematical terms that you could spend five minutes in it if we say it took 30 minutes to document and train and stuff, that's six times that task would have to, have to be repeated for you to sort of get a return on your investment almost of time. Um, yeah. I think it's just, for me, I think that it, that's what the staff are there for. I know it's, it's also because, you say, for example, we've got a developer. I know that mm -hmm. it's, it's sort of, if I go in and do some development work and do some coding on something, that's mm -hmm. not a great feeling for him because then he'll look mm -hmm. at it and think, well, why didn't Seb trust me enough for me to do that? Um, yep. And same with the designer. If I go in and design something, that's me not trusting my designer. So it, again, it just adds this sort of unhealthy sort of sort of culture in the company, mm -hmm. um, which I don't think is great. But I think in terms of doing it, you've just got to force yourself. And I think that for me, I literally having that must achieve list is great because it make, it gives me that very binary is this something that can only be done by, by me? But then it gives it the sort of sort of qualitative um, element as well to say, well, why? Mm -hmm. Why is it only me that can do that? It, it's, for example, um, sending off the transactions to the accountant. Why is it only me that can do that? Why can't I just give the accountant access directly? Um, and mm -hmm. stuff like that. And then that way, I, I think you just, over time, it, it's sort of for probably six to 12 months, you don't really see the effect of it. But after that, it just accumulates and accumulates and compounds. And then eventually you think, ah, I've got a lot more time free now than I used to have because I've, I worked for it for years in Imagineer where I was just working 60 hour weeks, didn't feel like I was achieving anything monumental. It was just doing grunt mm -hmm. work. Um, mm -hmm. So yeah, that's it. Well, and uh, how do you delegate right now? So do you have a process? So do you document everything? Uh, do you use any tools? Um, how, how do you practice delegation right now? 
Um, so we've got our own internal um, sort of documentation center, which we call Genius. Um, so okay. that basically has loads of user guides and stuff like that. Um, mm-hmm. We make use of um, something that we've discovered in the last 12 months, which is Loom videos, which are absolutely okay. fantastic, absolute game changer to record the screen with a video of me in the corner to say, this is why I'm doing this. This is how you do it. Um, so usually we'll put them into our documentation sensor and then it's there then. Um, and the team that work with me, um, basically everybody's incentivized to do that constantly and told to do that constantly. So mm-hmm. anything they repeat more than once, document it, make it a process. Um, and I think if you create that culture and that ownership um, for staff as well, where they're feeling like, ah, okay, I can make my life easier and longer term, maybe that they have somebody working under them that they can show how to do it, then I think that's great. And in terms of the actual um, kind of granular task, we just use a project management software called Teamwork. Um, So we just track everything in that um, with a due date. And it's really that. It's sort of for the staff to choose when they do it and when and where sort of thing. Got it. Fantastic. Okay. So Seb, um, now just now not talking about team and talking about you as an individual, how do yeah. you manage to stay productive? I mean, uh, I'm sure uh, when running a business, there are some weeks where you just feel very exhausted, um, mm-hmm. but there still needs to be some creative work done or some important decisions to be made. Uh, how do you handle those weeks? How do you uh, stay productive? How do you force yourself into to go into that creative zone and then knock out, knock out those things off your list? I think it's very difficult and I'm a big believer in sort of following your energy. Um, So Mm -hmm. I'm very much somebody that works well in sort of sprints. Um, I can work through from if I'm, if I've got an idea and I'm feeling creative, I try and harness that. And even if that means that I work from nine in the morning till 10 at night and just do a really Mm -hmm. long day where I get a load done, I think that's better for me personally. Um, Rather than trying to say, right, every single day I need to achieve this, 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 and this. I don't, I think that's kind of a bit of a false fallacy that people push, um, especially with like, you'll know from all the productive sort of media outlets and stuff that it's kind of this utopia of every business owner is always productive, always creative. Mm-hmm. Yep. That it never changes. It's a, you're a machine basically. I don't think it's the case. Um, I think you're better off following when your energy is there and getting the mm-hmm. stuff done then and focusing on that sort of work. Other days I'll get in and like you say, I'll feel a bit exhausted or I might not feel very creative. So on those days, that's when I'll do things like the admin work that is boring okay. and I don't really have to apply much thought to. Got it. You mentioned this one filter that you have. If something that only you can do that goes on the much must achieve list. Uh, and then also the next thing that goes under it, uh, how to make it as a process or a system. Yeah. Uh, is there anything else? So for example, not, it's not just about something that you can do, but probably something uh, how you uh, put priorities on things. Hey, this has to be done. So mm-hmm. do you have a system to assign priorities to different things that are asking for your attention? Yeah, so that's that's usually a big part of it. That must achieve list is only absolutely critical things. Um, so things like, um, for example, a client request. If it's a client request that is potentially their website isn't working as it should be and it's preventing mm-hmm. them from uh, producing revenue or something like that, that goes onto the must achieve list for, right, this must be delegated to our developer or to our designer, whoever it is, to fix it straight away. 
Um, but in terms of like day-to-day work, so stuff like sending stuff to the accountants, that's important. It needs to be done. Um, it's very much kind of the only stuff that will make it to that must achieve list is really important stuff. Everything else is still kept in a task list, but just of a lower priority. And it's sort of like, that's just, I just keep that in my, um, in Google tasks. I just literally have a list of everything that I need to do and that's prioritized and I just drag them into priority order. Got it. And uh, do you also use some sort of automation within those tools to uh, um, uh, just just automatically knock off this stuff? So, for example, if you need to send some documents to your accountant, some receipts, some invoices, maybe you add some filters in your inbox that automatically keeps doing that thing. Like, do you use some sort of automation to uh, make your life easier or maybe an assistant? Um, no, we don't actually. That's something. An assistant is something that we're looking to have, um, and I think that would be very helpful. Um, my kind of method of automating stuff like that that is almost we we try and automate everything we can from a fulfillment perspective in the business. But in terms of my day to day communication with people and stuff like that, that's not automated. What I'll try mm-hmm. and do is have another filter that basically says, "Can I be removed from this process? Should I be?" Um, and that's quite helpful because then it kind of it takes away the ego of it. So, for example, at mm-hmm. the moment, we're looking to hire some um, salespeople because mm-hmm. I do the sales for Imagineer. So it's one of them things where I've always thought, well, I need to carry on doing the sales because nobody's going to sell better than I will. But that's yep. just my ego talking. There's no actual reality to that. So trying to sort of take yourself out of that situation, I think, is a really healthy habit to sort of run a, a lean company. Um and make it sort of so that it doesn't rely on you because that's it's just not it's not really a business is it if it's relying upon you completely it sounds morbid to say but you could walk out of the door tomorrow and get hit by a bus and the business yep. goes so um it's not the right way to do it yep uh okay so uh should i ask you a very blunt question mm, so i i see in your backdrop uh, backdrop that you are in your office yeah. Uh, what what was the last 12 months for your business like like um, uh, how was the remote work like how was this asynchronous communication culture uh, mm. was like for you personally um for me personally um i i've still been coming to the office throughout the whole of lockdown that we've had in the uk um okay. largely the i think the first month or so when it was like le- a legal requirement that we had to work from home we did um, the guys that work for me have all been remote for a year now. Um, okay. They're okay with it. Um, but in every single one of their one-to-one reviews with me, um, they've said that they want to come back to the office now because they're finding it quite isolated to be working alone. Um, mm-hmm. In general, we're, we're quite well set up. We use Google Suite for business. So everything that we do is in the cloud already. So in terms of when lockdown happened, it didn't interrupt services. It's very easy to sort of carry on doing that. Um, but I think you do miss out on quite a lot of the creative chats that aren't necessarily structured. I think that it's driven us much more towards, right, we need a video call about this. That's not really, you're not going to get that Got brief it. idea. Usually yes. when we're in the office, you can see it's quite open plan. It might mm-hmm. be that I say to our SEO guy, I might go, have you thought about doing this? Oh, yeah, okay, let's have a chat about that. And it's it's kind of off the cuff. So, yeah, it's been a challenge, but we, we've come through it. So, um that's it yeah uh and uh, what do you think of asynchronous communication i mean instead of uh, uh, having uh, meetings for every small thing maybe just write an email or drop a message in slack or some other tool Um, whenever the other person is available they would respond to it Uh, do you like asynchronous communication or do you prefer synchronous communication 
Um, I personally, I don't. I think that Slack is um, we use it, and it. I think it's such a distraction, and I think that's mm-hmm. the problem. Okay. Is that in in theory, that's great that somebody can read a message when they're ready to read it. Um, mm-hmm. But I think in reality, it's that you see it pop up in the top right of your screen, and then you think, "Oh, okay, I'll just check it quickly." And then before yep. you know it, you spent five minutes talking about something that's not really that important. Um, yep. So I think for me, um, I remember, I think it was the guys at Basecamp wrote a massive article about it, basically saying um, how much making their sort of staff write stuff into long form emails and stuff has helped them out um, because it encourages clarity of thought, um, actual sort of right, really clear communication rather than in Slack, it could be, could you sort this out for me? What do you mean? And it gets, sort of flows from there. It's a bit of sort of back and forth. Um, and we try and do that as much as we can. But like I say, we still do use like it's convenient. Um, but yeah, if I had my way, it'd be that everybody emails each other. And then that way you can sort of choose it to, when you sort of log into your emails and stuff. Fantastic. Because uh, one thing that I have observed and uh, maybe you also have or maybe not, uh, uh, let me know. So one thing I've realized is I've been working remote with uh, various people for the last three years. Yeah. And uh, I love asynchronous communication not just slack maybe emails as well so long form uh i put all of my thoughts there the other person maybe it takes 24 24 48 hours the other, the other person absorbs all the all the content uh, uh puts all of their thoughts into and uh, reply email and send back to me uh usually it takes two days but uh, in just two two email exchanges um there's a lot of clarity yeah. but sometimes i do agree sometimes uh um, maybe when it comes to when when there's no clarity of thoughts in individual head and maybe it depends on the other's uh, thought process as well. So you, meetings are best and meetings could be um, physical or virtual, even Zoom meetings. But I realized uh, over the last few years, uh, when most of my communication is asynchronous, when I say most, it's 95% asynchronous, asynchronous mm-hmm. and maybe just one or two meetings in a week, uh, that's it. Right. I, I have realized these one or two meetings in a week are so important now that uh, probably years ago i would spend an hour in a meeting trying to find a decision or come to a conclusion of it but now the meetings the time of meeting feels so sacred that we that i personally would want to reach to a conclusion in say 20 minutes yeah, uh, yeah. and so what do you think of meetings right now do you hmm. do you like longer meetings shorter meetings uh, brainstorming meetings how, how do you see meetings in, in, in um, the world of asynchronous communication and work i think um, it's something that people have lost and i think especially face-to-face meetings but i think that the lot the, the i can see the reasons why people moved away from them because i've worked in offices where meet mm-hmm. is death by meeting you'll spend half a day in a meeting um and nothing gets resolved so i think it's yep. being very clear about having an agenda having a structure to the meeting and like you say having an outcome that you want to achieve i want to decide this rather than <laughs> just a meeting for a meeting's sake um but i think they're so important just for new ideas and stuff like even for for us as an as a agency for our own marketing sometimes we'll sit down around our board table and just literally the only outcome that we're trying to achieve is how are we going to get in front of new customers next month well have we thought about doing this and you can then them sorts of meetings do tend to last longer and it might be that they last over an hour um I just think that everybody's become in the world of productivity. Everyone's become so focused on 
this is how you do productivity and that's it. There's yep. no deviations that you have to operate like this or God forbid, you're not, you're not yep. a very productive yep. person. Um, yep. And I think it's each to their own. I think everybody's different. I know for me, for example, sometimes I'll have a meeting with my team and it'll mm-hmm. be me talking for ages and I'll go on and on and on and on. Yep, yep, then yep. from that, maybe one good thought will come of it from the other people feeding in. Um, so mm-hmm. by it, in productivity terms, maybe it's not a great use of time because maybe it's lasted an hour. But in terms of what's been created from that, that one creative spot can lead to a lot more sort of stuff down the road. So yeah, I, I like them personally. Fantastic. Uh, okay. And what do you think of, uh, again, so meetings is something synchronous. So I'm just trying to uh, get a little bit more context around asynchronous communication uh, in your life. So how do you feel if you get an unscheduled phone call in middle of something that you have planned? So uh, maybe you have just sat down, sat down to do some admin work. It doesn't require a lot of thinking, just little grunt work. And you get an unscheduled um, phone call to discuss something like from your senior team member. Uh, how do you feel about such phone calls? Um, I, I don't personally like them. Um, <laughs> I'm a nightmare <laughs> for it. Um, so okay. I, I don't like to be interrupted. I think if you're focused on one thing, you're focused on that thing. So for me, um, if I know that I want to sit down and really focus and get into some deep work, then my phone mm-hmm. goes on to do not disturb mode. Um, okay. And that kind of naturally filters. From a staff point of view, um, staff aren't ever an issue with that. Most of our staff, we're all in that culture of, right, email, if it's something important, email properly, think about it, explain it, and all that sort of stuff. If it needs to be explained over voice, then there's a way of arranging that. Um, or send a quick message on Slack, whichever it is. And then, again, like you said before, you can arrange that when you want. The difficult part is with um, clients because clients don't tend to have a sort of respect for that time where they sort of, it's obviously, they've had a thought of it's come into their head. They want to speak to their marketing agency about it. Absolutely fine. They'll usually pick up the phone. Um, What I've found, though, is that we've, one, moved um, stuff like um, support requests and stuff like that. We've got a ticketing system now and the email, Mm -hmm. a specific email for that. That goes out to the team. Um, But in terms of phone calls, I've noticed that if it's on do not disturb and they don't get through to me, for example, they'll usually follow up with an email by default. Um, And Mm -hmm. if not, I'll call them back when it's convenient for me. Got it. Fantastic. Uh, okay. So uh, again, talking of meetings, I was thinking uh, you mentioned something that sometimes you just go on and on uh, when you are conducting a meeting. Uh, yeah. How do you how how do you fight the biases in a meeting? So, for example, I have realized um, uh, and I have started practicing practicing this one thing. So, whenever there is meeting, I try to be the last person who speaks. Okay. Uh, I, I, I let everybody speak a bit because um, uh, somebody told me if you speak first and if you share your ideas, some people just like to oblige with the authority and they'll just mm. uh, maybe add on top of your ideas. Uh, and uh, this you might in the moment find nice, but uh, uh, in, in the hindsight, you'll realize you missed out hearing maybe some new ideas that you could not mm. think of. Uh, yeah. uh, this is one. Second is... Uh, if somebody else is, is a loud person in the room, they usually control the direction of the uh, narrative in the meeting. Uh, maybe there's some somebody, uh, uh, say, from the minority section of the society who, 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 who um, maybe not is as loud as this other person. Uh, and again, those ideas are killed. So um, have you figured out um, a nice way to conduct meetings or maybe to beat biases in the meetings? 
Um, to be honest with you, not really. It's not a, we've not had that as a pain point yet because we're quite a small company. So mm-hmm. it's basically me plus three people at the moment. So okay. I think because of that, we're quite a tight-knit team. Everybody respects each other, so everyone talks. I think your idea of speaking last, that's a great idea. Um, and I think that's something that, that we do one-to-one uh, review meetings with our staff, um, sort of okay. usually every quarter. Um, and after the last quarter's ones, I kind of sat back and I thought, that was me speaking for 80% of the time. I'm not really finding out about them. They're not like okay. sort of telling me what the problems are. So this time around, I was very explicit with it. And I just said, basically, I want you to talk. I don't want to be speaking. You've got the questions. I want you to sort of read your answers to me, but explain them. Um, and if you've got any questions, I'll answer your questions, but I don't want to actually be the one talking. Um, and that was really helpful. And that does do that. And that's kind of a big thing with our agency that we're trying to, sort of um implement is basically that i don't want everything to come from me i don't want it to be there it's all my ideas that go through i want ideas from everyone we're a hive mind i think we can do a lot more if we've got the new ideas coming but i think within meetings we sort of rotate around people so usually Mm -hmm. we'll have a set agenda of say three points that we want to discuss okay Mm -hmm. and then we'll go through each person um and i think that's quite a nice way of doing it Got it. Okay. And you mentioned something about going for a run after you are done for the day. Mm. Yeah. Uh, uh, do you do it regularly or uh, how does it help? Like, does it help to clear your head and think mm. of new ideas? Yeah, or is definitely. It I for think, the body um, purposes? Um, it's, it's a bit of both. I think it's, it's good to be healthy, but I think that I do it probably three times a week, probably do three runs a week um, okay. as a minimum two. Um, usually where I live is sort of um, Nottingham's a city so we're kind of on the outskirts of that in sort of the suburban area mm-hmm. and then if you go another sort of five minutes out you're into the countryside into the rural part um, okay. so that's where I like to run around because I like the fresh air I like to see the greenery and all that sort of stuff and yeah mm-hmm. I think that's um, that's a really good time for new ideas to be fair because you sort of you can't, you're just thinking about you're running you're breathing etc you're not really thinking about the the detail. So you think on a bit of a mm-hmm. bigger level, I think. Got it. Got it. And uh, where do you get your best ideas? Um, so, and when do you get your best ideas? For example, some people get their best ideas when they're uh, about to fall asleep. Some people get their best ideas in the shower. Um, uh, where do you think you get your best ideas? I think it is the shower for me. <laughs> I think <Okay>. that, <laughs> um, that sort of almost meditative state where you're not really, you're not thinking about anything and it's the first thing in the day. Um, mm-hmm. I think that's a really good time for new ideas. Got it. And uh, how do you consume information? So for example, uh, I'm sure running a uh, business day-to-day operations, especially uh, when the business is growing, it's difficult to sit down and probably read a book for an hour. Mm. I could be wrong again. Uh, but no. still, you need to stay relevant in the world and you need to understand where the world is going. Uh, mm. So you need to continuously consume information from somewhere. So what is the best way that you have found to consume information uh, from uh, about the world? Um, I really, I'd love to read a lot more um, than I do. And I don't read anywhere near enough. Um, and so that's a big sort of point I want to get into. Um, for me, um podcasts are great i like listening to people that i respect on sort of podcasts and stuff like that um audible is mm-hmm. great obviously for getting audio books and stuff so you mm-hmm. get some version of it um other than that i make sure for me that when i have my lunch i move away from my desk and then okay. i can actually do some reading even if it's on the internet it's only reading articles at least that way i'm sort of doing that and i try and not do that based on 
sort of what we do day to day. So not just based on like, um, for example, web development or web design or marketing. I try and look a bit broader on, on the business side of things um, for that time. Okay. So, and have you, have you formed any new habit recently? Any, this could be anything. Um, not really. I think the most achieved list was probably about six months ago that I started doing that. Okay. And that's been really helpful. Um, and that sort of why element of that has been even more recent than that. That's been sort of two, probably mm-hmm. about two months ago that we started doing that. Um, and that was just from probably similar frustrations to you have. I was just thinking, you know, I've got this team that are great people, they're, they're really talented people. And then I think, well, I'm not using them. They're just doing day-to-day work and getting on with the tasks that they've got to do. They're not, I'm not leveraging them. I'm not leveraging their knowledge, their talent mm-hmm. or anything like that. I'm just focused on, I need to do this. I'll do it now. Yep. Um, so yeah, that's probably the best habit that I've um, formed recently. Got it. Okay. So enough about productivity. Let's talk about some uh, uh, waste of time. So if you have to, for example, just kill 15, 20 minutes. So for example, if you're, if, if there was some meeting that was supposed to happen, but then the last moment it got rescheduled or postponed by 15, 20 minutes, and now you have got 15, 20 minutes to kill. Uh, do you have go to websites that you go or go to apps that you go to and then um, that you use purely to kill time, not for consuming um, information, not for learning something just to kill time? Yeah, um, probably Twitter, uh, to be honest with you. I think (laughs) I'm a heavy user of Twitter. And I think that I I, I went off it for a long time because it became so toxic and politicized and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So I basically just unfollowed loads and loads of people. And that's my kind of filter on Twitter now is that if somebody mentions something political, if, if I agree with it or disagree with it, that's it. Get rid of them because I don't want I don't think it's a healthy use of time. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think for that, it's great because being from England, um, we, we have a good sort of tech culture, but nothing mm-hmm. near to sort of Silicon Valley and like America and some of the stuff like that. So Twitter's a nice sort of branch between that to sort of see mm-hmm. what they're saying and um, find people, um, that kind of put in interesting thoughts out there. Um, so yeah, that's probably my go-to app. Okay, so Seb, this is the point where I ask this magical question to all of our guests. So mm. if suppose somehow magically you get one additional hour every single day for the rest of your life, how would you spend it? Um, I think I'd just spend it with family, to be honest with you, as boring and as vanilla <laughs> as that. Um, I think uh, I'm productive enough, I'm perfectly comfortable with how much work I do and what we mm-hmm. produce and stuff like that. So I think the extra hour I'd just spend either with family or playing golf. And that's probably it. <laughs> I oh. think keep things simple and just do what you Fantastic. enjoy. Fantastic. And what would you do with the family? I mean, go out or just be there? I think, yeah, be just be there in general. I think it's good enough. But yeah, I think um, go out into the countryside. Um, I love sort of be, especially in summer. Um, I think in summer, Britain is absolutely magical. Um, winter, not so much. It gets pretty miserable. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think that's it. Um, I'd go with that. Fantastic. Uh, Seb, thank you so much for taking your time. If somebody wants to follow along your journey or maybe get in touch with you or just know more about you, Imagineer or anything that you are involved with, what is the best way um, that somebody can find you on the internet? Um, If you go on to um, Twitter, um, then uh, if you follow Imagineer UK on Twitter or Mm -hmm. if you want to follow me directly, it's um, I am Seb Dean um, is my handle. Um, And yeah, that's probably the best, best route. 
Yeah. So everybody who's listening to the podcast episode, um, uh, all of these links will be available in the show notes of the episode. So you can just directly find the links and click on them and directly go and follow Imagineer and Seb. Uh, Seb, thank you so much for taking your time. I yeah, got no some problem. interesting insights from you, uh, especially around oh, delegation. Uh, yeah. I, uh, I have always been struggling with uh, uh, delegating things because mm. it's more about five minutes versus 90 minutes. Yeah. And, yeah. and, uh, I know over time, if I just do this once over time, that free time will compound and I'll be much more happy. I'll be happier person, but I still struggle with it. But what I'm going to do is I'm just going to do exactly what you do. Everything that I do in the day, I'll just going to classify it as, Hey, is the, is, uh, am I the only person who can do it? If yes, mm. why? How do I fix yeah. this problem? And let mm. me just try doing it for, uh, say, a month or so by this mm. episode will be out. And whatever my learnings would be using your routine, I would also add that paragraph at the very cool. end. My yeah, experience with Yeah, my experience with Seb's routine. And let, let, let me just give it a shot. I'm so yeah. intrigued and so interested. Like how you are one guest who said, I'm very happy at my work. I'm reasonably productive. I'm very happy. I'll just spend more time with my family. So I admire that state and probably I would want to reach that state someday. Uh, I'll try it and I'll keep everybody posted how it goes. Thank you so much for taking your time to be on the episode today, Seb. I really enjoyed chatting with you. Yeah, no, I've enjoyed it too. Thank you.